This is McKinsey Recruiting, a podcast created to help you learn more about McKinsey and company. My name is Philip, and together with Sydney, our other podcast host, I'm here to answer all your questions about McKinsey Recruiting and introduce you to some of our McKinsey personalities. In this episode, we will talk about consulting at McKinsey. Our guest today is Ricky. She joined McKinsey in Lagos in 2016 and is now an engagement manager in our London office. Ricky will explain what it means to be a consultant and who makes up a client project team. She will tell us about the focus of her work at McKinsey, provide a glimpse into the lifestyle of a consultant and explain how all of this relates to her being an American flag football player, mother and cupcake entrepreneur. Are you ready? Then let's start our podcast, McKinsey Recruiting. Hi, Ricky, and um, thanks for being a guest on our McKinsey Recruiting podcast and a warm welcome from Cologne to London. Thank you, Philip. I'm gra really glad to be here. <laughs> um, Ricky, in doing my research, I learned that in your pre-McKinsey life, you had a cupcake business. I did. Before we jump into what it's like to be a consultant, mm -hmm. let's chat about your life in the dessert world. <laughs> <laughs> so Ricky, where did your passion for cupcakes come from and what made you want to turn this passion into a business? No, thank you for that question. Um, I guess even before that and before my McKinsey life, um, I am a chartered accountant. So I was a, I qualified as an accountant first. And as an accountant, mm -hmm. one of the things, one of the skills that you are really discouraged from having is creativity. Um, cause creative accounting can be very illegal. Um, and so, uh, <laughs> and so I guess desserts was my creative outlet. Um, I just enjoyed sort of creating things, baking seeing the joy in, you know, my family and friends' faces when they try my little treats. Um, and I also have a bit of a competitive edge to me. And so I somehow found my way to, um, you know, participating in competitions um, for desserts. And I happened to win um, one of such competitions. So very similar to, if you like, the cupcake, um, the Food Network type competitions. Um, I happened to win one of them, actually got quite a, a large uh, lump sum prize money and thought it would be irresponsible to do anything other than um, make something out of it. And so that's, uh, that's how I started the business. Um, of course, I'm not stopping with the cupcakes questions. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but how did you come from cupcakery to consulting? Uh, and by that, I mean, why did you decide to switch career path and mm -hmm. join McKinsey? No. Um, so I really enjoyed um, my creative streak. Um, I was sort of doing that while also working as an accountant. Um, mm. And then I had a personal situation. Um, I got a divorce and I decided that I wanted more. Um, and I didn't know what more looked like. Uh, I just knew that moving from a sort of two parent, um, you know, working parent household to just a single parent household, I needed, I needed to, to go and reinvent myself. Um, and so I took some time off, um, from work. I sold my business and I went to business school. Um, and I 
didn't actually know what I wanted to do while I was at business school. I was just super open to the possibilities. Um, and consultants struck me. I mean, at the time, I didn't even know what McKinsey was or what they did and, you know, what, what consulting was. Um, but what I did know was that the classmates at school that I was most impressed by, uh, or maybe most enamored by even because of the way that they sort of thought through problems were folks that had come from consulting. And, you know, I got curious what, what is this? you know, fountain of knowledge that they've been dipped in. Um, <laughs> I need to go and I need to go dip myself in that uh, as well. And I started to ask questions. I started to do my research. Um, and, um, and, and I was most impressed by the folks that I met at McKinsey. So that's well, how first, I, I got here. First of all, Thanks for your open words um, <laughs> about your personal story. Um, the second thing, we're going to come back to consulting in mm -hmm. just some minutes. Uh, so stay with me on that. Um, but uh, back to my favorite topic, cupcakes. <laughs> uh, one of your colleagues told us that you are known for managing challenging personalities really well. Um, <laughs> is that because you always bring cupcakes to the office or is there, or is there more to that? <laughs> um. I would say that the skill that you learned from working with sugar, I trust me, <laughs> there, there is nobody on earth that is as challenging as sugar. <laughs> um, and so when you, when you get, I guess, that skill that I learned from, you know, having to manipulate sugar in the way that you do when you work with desserts, um, you, you very quickly grow thick skin. Um, you know, you, you, you spend hours and hours in the kitchen creating these wonderful pieces and the tiniest thing, like someone forgot the heating on, will just melt your entire dessert. Um, so, so, so you sort of grow this sort of resilience, um, and thick skin to be able to sort of handle difficult situations. And I, I see every situation, um, that, that is difficult as just, you know, a challenge I need to, to overcome and, and I'm able to do that with poise because again when you work with sugar you can't you can't be making sudden rash you know movements you have to be completely still <laughs> and calm <laughs> sugar is dangerous sugar is very dangerous <laughs> you wouldn't okay, so, think it <laughs> uh, you probably uh, and I have to ask this can't give me your uh, or details about your secret recipes no um But can you at least tell me what your favorite flavor is? And then we're going to dive right into our focus topic of today. <laughs> sure. Actually, my favorite flavor is carrot. I love a very nice, oh, yeah. moist carrot cake <laughs> <laughs> with cream okay. cheese frosting. Yum. <laughs> okay, so uh, enough with the cupcake questions for me. Sure. Um, uh, in your first years um, at the firm, you worked in our Lagos office. I did. You've told me that you uh, specifically chose to work at McKinsey in Africa. What made you want to start there and uh, then later transfer to London? Yes, Um so my parents uh, migrated from Nigeria when I was very young um, to the UK. And so I had not spent any of my adult life up until joining the firm um, working on the continent. Um, I, I joined um, an organization called the Wellcome Trust shortly before I, I left for business school um, to help sort of create and, and, and sort of build their Africa strategy. So they fund public health 
um, uh, research um, in 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 different parts of the world, and and Africa was a part of the world that they were really keen on on entering and, and growing, and so I joined them to help build that strategy, um, and that piece of work involved you know traveling a lot on the continent um, and and just you know getting used to this um, you know n- new space that I was I was you know familiarizing myself with. Um, and I grew a real fondness for it. Um, I started to sort of feel a little bit of a, you know, the imposter syndrome that they talk about simply because, you know, I'm of African descent does not necessarily make me African because I, I didn't have that, you know, experience of working on the continent. And so when I, when I joined McKinsey, you, great, yeah, go can on. Can you explain me what the imposter syndrome uh, is? <laughs> <laughs> sure. It's, it's, it's basically feeling like you're not, you're, you're, you they'll soon find you out. You're, you know, mm-hmm. you're, you're not real. Ah, okay. Right. Um, so I'm a fake I'm African. Podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. It's like, I'm a fake African. They're soon going to work it out. So, I... <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> so I need to go make this real. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, but um, do, do consultants often transfer offices um, or work in locations outside of their home offices? Yeah, absolutely. One one thing about consulting, well, at least in the old world, um, which who knows what COVID throws at us, you know, once we sort of return to a semblance of normality. Um, but one thing that used to be about consulting was the level of travel. Um, so it does involve quite a lot of travel because you, you basically go to, you know, where your clients need you. Um, and, and regardless of, you know, where you, you know, your client's sort of home offices, they could be, you know, based, you know, in different parts of the, of the world. So you kind of go to where the work is. So a lot of travel is involved. Um, but I wanted to be rooted on the continent. And so that's why I joined, um, the McKinsey office in Lagos. And, um, you've already said due to COVID-19, um, <laughs> Uh, you, like many other colleagues, are working uh, from home currently. Yeah. How has the firm um, supported you in finding balance to be a mom and also support your clients? Because I know that you um, are also a mother. <laughs> yes, yes, no, I am. I've, I've got a 10-year-old son. Um, and the I would say that the firm has, you know, gone over and beyond um, to to really help us continue to maintain that work-life balance because it's very easy to roll out of bed and get on a Zoom call and stay on, you know, Zoom or Microsoft Teams or whatever it is um, that your clients use. And so, you know, at the at the start of the sort of pandemic, I, I probably underestimated how long it was going to go on for. And so I thought, oh, this is a new phase. It's fine. You know, I was in denial. And so I would sit on Zoom for hours on end. I'd probably go through an entire day and I've probably taken about 50 steps through my house. Um, and very quickly, I realized that this is not sustainable. Um, and, and the firm, you know, there, there are sort of, there were lots of surveys sent out to try and understand how people were spending their days. It became very apparent very quickly that we were all sort of engaging in practices such as myself that were not sustainable. We will talk about this topic in a later episode of the podcast, but okay. how do you keep a balance? Um, yes. Um, like you, you have to stay mental. You have to keep a mental balance there also, I guess. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and for me personally, and this is a very personal thing, people find mm-hmm. energy in, you know, in different ways. I personally find energy outside of work in sports. Mm-hmm. 
So, so I play, ah. I play American flag football. Um, again, like I said, I have a competitive streak. Um, <laughs> so, so outside of, outside of the team room, um, you'll find me on, on the football, um, field, um, you know, trying to snatch flags or, you know, catching a ball to go and score a touchdown, you know, whatever it is. Um, but that's, that's sort of my, my new outlet as I am no longer. Oh bacon as much <laughs> <laughs> i have some questions uh coming to that um later okay but um some um let's dive into our um key topic of today with the question ricky what does a consultant do um before uh, before our recording you said that you describe your job to your son by saying that you are a doctor for sick companies <laughs> um can you explain that a bit further sure actually it was It was his description to his classmates, um, and I and I thought that that was pretty pretty apt. Um, you know, he was describing to his classmates, you know, when they asked, "What does what does your mom do?" and, and he said, "She she fixes she fixes sick companies," um, and I I thought that was fantastic. Um, and and the way that I and I think this is how he's come to that, which is the fact that every business that we support at McKinsey is come to us have come to us with different problems. And sometimes those problems don't necessarily mean, you know, bad things. Sometimes and very often they could be, you know, trying to enter a new market. They could be trying to launch a new product. Um, they could be trying to just improve on their already existing profitability or revenue, you know, aspirations, etc. And so they come to us with, you know, problems that they're trying to solve. And so we put all of the efforts that, you know, that the firm has behind it to solve those problems. And that's, that's why I guess we, we I would akin it to, um, to, to, to medicine and, you know, a doctor trying to fix a patient. That's a wonderful description, Ricky. Um, and um, we continue with our consulting 101. Sure. Um, you are what we call at McKinsey an engagement manager. Correct. Uh, this job title may not be familiar to many of our listeners. So um, what is the role of an engagement manager? Yes. So in sort of plain speak, an engagement manager is essentially a project manager. Um, it, and I love to use anecdotes again, because I'm a mom and, and my son is super inquisitive and, and, and asks a ton of questions. So I have to, I have to come up with, you know, analogies to help him understand. So I would say that what my job sort of looks like on a day to day, um, when I describe it to him is, is like an octopus. And what I mean by that is I have to have lots of tentacles because I'm handling so many different stakeholders. So it's my job to make sure that the client's happy and the client's, you know, feeling like they're getting what they need in terms of their problems getting solved. It's my job to make sure that the team is happy, you know, that they're getting the right level of coaching, of support, of training, of, you know, assistance that they need. It's my job. And that's two, that's two tentacles already gone, right? It's my job. It's my job to make sure that, you know, the, 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 leadership so the partners who are you know involved in the project are fully you know on board with what we're doing are fully you know abreast with progress 
Um, and, you know, at any point when they engage the, cl- the senior clients can sort of speak knowledgeably to what's going on on mm-hmm. ground. It's also my job to make sure that the problem itself is getting solved. So the content of why we're there is, is, is actually happening. So, so it, it, it kind of feels like you're a bit of an octopus, right? Because you've got all of these, all of these things that you have to manage at the same time. I think not just an octopus, a team colleague uh, and a friend of yours told us uh, that he often sees you as a team therapist. Oh, dear. (laughs) Exactly. That's another tentacle because sometimes the team is just, you know, someone on the team is probably feeling a little down or a little unsure and you kind of need to pick them back up (laughs) and get them back on the field to go get, you know, to continue working and, you know, make sure that their mental and physical health is, is great. Uh, at McKinsey, we usually call such a project steady. Yes. Why? Um, because if you sort of think about it, um, you are faced with a problem and you kind of need to get the problem solved. But you can't solve a problem if you don't understand it. And so in my mind, and this is probably not you know official uh, as to why they call it studies, but the way that I've come to understand it is it's, it's part of the process of getting the problem solved because you need to study the problem to be able to get it solved. <laughs> so, yeah. And as a consultant, uh, you've already said you solve challenges, um, problems that our clients have. Yes. How do you usually work together with um, the client? How does that work? Yes. So there are different models. The models that I've enjoyed the most and I've, I, I, I've ex- experienced and thought were the most impactful in my experience so far Uh, are the models where we're working, you know, together with the client as opposed mm-hmm. to, you know, you're doing a bit of sort of desk, desktop work and then you sort of present this all these findings to the client. I've found that the ones that are more impactful is when you carry the client along that journey. Um, clients really enjoy being part of the problem-solving process. Um, and so anything from, you know, gathering data f- with, you know, what from the client to, you know, working them through the process of structuring and, you know, just how McKinsey problem solves. Um, clients often find that super, super invaluable. Um, and, and I think that that is, you know, one of the most um, rewarding things that I and my teams bring to clients. Uh, you've already said um, problem solving. Uh, can you tell me a bit about the overall cycle of a project or how does this problem solving process look at McKinsey? Yes. So I won't bore you with the seven steps that we have at, at the <laughs> firm. We, we do have a methodology. Um, so, but, but again, I, I won't sort of bore our listeners with that. What I would say is that overall, the way that we get problems solved is we make sure that we fully understand the problem. Um, and, and when I say fully understand, I don't mean what the client tell you the problem is. I mean, you know, dissecting that problem and really get into the root cause, you know, what exactly is the problem. And again, another analogy for you, um, <laughs> as I love these, um, is, is that I say that the folks who invented cars were told that they wanted faster horses. And so the client at the time, you know, when you ask them, what's your problem? They said these horses aren't going fast enough. So they wanted them to go faster. Well, the solution wasn't a faster horse. Obviously, it was a car. Um, and so when a client gives us problems to solve at McKinsey, 
it's our job to really understand, you know, the root cause um, of, of, of the problem. So the problem wasn't that the horses weren't going fast enough. The problem was that the clients wanted to get to where they were going quicker. Um, so, yeah. And what happens after um, defining uh, the problem? Maybe you can also bring in some other McKinsey vocabulary because oh, there yeah? are also a lot of different rules on a client study. Yes. I have uh, found analysts, experts, specialists, fellows, associates, partners, interns, yes. please help me. <laughs> <laughs> sure. And that, that is all part of the problem-solving process. The beauty of McKinsey is we try to hire uh, people from a very diverse you know, set of backgrounds for this particular reason. Once you've identified the root cause, the actual problem that the client's trying to solve, you need to sort of put a structure to it. Um, and not only a structure, because we can't solve all of the problems in the world, right? I mean, we could if we had all the time in the world, I'm sure. Um, but given the time frames that we normally have to solve these problems, we have to prioritize. And the process of prioritization kind of requires experience. You need experts who, who understand the field where this problem exists well enough to be able to tell us, don't look under that rock or that rock. Focus on this third rock because that's what's going to get you to 80% of the answer. And so the concept or the terminology that we use of 80-20 comes in. So it's like, what is the 20% part of the problem that would get us to 80% of the solution? And that's what we mean by prioritization. And so you have to ruthlessly prioritize and you need experts to be able to know where to look and where to prioritize. Um, and once you've identified, okay, this is the rock we're going to go after, You obviously then need to do a lot of analysis to, un, you know, to, to start to, dis, you know, decipher that rock and, you know, get to the root cause. And so you need analysts, you need data, you need, you know, all of these various different parties that you mentioned to be able to do that analysis. You need, you know, again, experts to help you to distill the insights that are coming out of the analysis. Mm -hmm. And you need to be able to sort of present that back to the client at a level that they will be able to engage. And so when you're dealing with senior clients, you know, the experience that our partners and, you know, leaders bring to the table is super crucial because they're, they're, they're able to, you know, tell a story that the client is able to understand. Um, you've said that, You can have an you can have all stars on a team, but that does not make an all star team. Yes. What does that mean? So again, that's a football analogy, um, and <laughs> and so one of the things in my football life, um, you know, you have you know wide receivers, slot receivers, defenders, you know, you have the quarterback, etc. Each of these roles, in their own right, can be like amazing. You can have an amazing quarterback. You can have an, an amazing wide receiver, et cetera, an amazing defender. Um, but as a team, if there is no, if you don't gel or, you know, you, you're not, you know, there's no chemistry, you know, the wide receiver will, you know, run that route, but the quarterback won't know or be able to gauge the speed and won't throw the ball right. And so you just won't score that touchdown. And so that's what I mean by, you know, an all, you know, a team of all stars is not an all star team at McKinsey. All of those roles you just mentioned, you have a great expert, you have a great, you know, engagement manager like myself, you have, <laughs> you have, you know, a great analyst, you have, you know, all of these individually great people. If chemistry doesn't exist, if, if you're, if, if you're not able to sort of build that camaraderie and, um, and, and really sync together, 
it can be a struggle to get the problem solved. A colleague also told me that you are unsinkable by stress. Has your passion for sport made you this way? <laughs> a bit of that plus sugar. <laughs> <laughs> um, let, let's uh, just one last question about uh, the lifestyle. Um, yes. What does your typical week look like? Um, can you give us some more insights on that? Sure. First off, I would say there is no typical week at McKinsey <laughs> um, because every day you're solving, you know, a different problem. It might be part of a broader, big problem, but it's a different thing that you're tackling each day. Right. And so a typical week almost doesn't exist. That said, there are facets of the day or, or, or of the week um, that, 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 you know, are, you know, thematic, if you like. So I'll give examples. Um, Every morning I check in with the team. We call it a sort of team check-in. Um, and in the evenings we check out. And what that, what that basically looks like is, is essentially a sort of 15 minute quick stand up, surefire. What are your priorities for the day? Um, what key meetings do you have? What support do you need? Um, in the mornings, in the evenings, you know, we're checking out. So based on the priorities you set in the morning, you know, how, how have you done? You know, what's gone well, what hasn't, what support do you need? Again, just constantly check in to make sure that the team is is happy. Um, what else do you have on your plate for tonight? Because again, you don't want you want to make sure that the team isn't, you know, have haven't got like this really long list of things that they need to continue to work on. Um, and so we have a sort of team check-in and check out at least every day. Um, a, a typical week, and I say typical in inverted commas, um, again would involve, you know, problem solving sessions. Um, and so similar to what I described, you know, initially when I said, you know, we have to sort of dis, you know, distill what is the problem, which part of this problem are we focusing on or prioritizing and what's the analysis to help us get there? We ha have, you know, regular problem solving sessions with experts, you know, where, you know, we're working through that process that I, that I described. Um, and maybe lastly, I would say that a typical week has lots of client interactions. Because again, none of this is possible without the client. And so you're engaging with the client a lot, whether it's from data collection, uh, data gathering, through to actually involving them in the problem solving process, um, or just, you know, brainstorming, you know, part of, 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 of the solution space with them. I would love to talk more about uh, this, but um, we don't have that much time, unfortunately. So yeah. uh, my last question, um, and maybe you can answer it in one sentence, mm -hmm. um, because many listeners may now be interested in a job as a consultant. I am interested now. I'm intrigued. <laughs> um, how can I find out if a job as a consultant is the right choice for me? Huh, that's a very good question. I think there are different ways you can find out. Um, for me, the way that the route that I took was twofold. First was lots of research. Um, so who were the consultant firms that I was potentially interested in? You know, I made a list. Um, I got in touch with them, you know, get in touch with a recruiter, um, get in touch if you can with people who work there. LinkedIn is great. I, I often, you know, get requests, you know, via LinkedIn as well. Um, you know, get in touch, uh, Do your research, right? Speak to people who are involved. So that's one way. Another way that I, I went about it was, was actually trying it out real time. So before I full, fully joined McKinsey, um, in a full time role, I was first a summer associate, um, in, in the, in the summer of my, of my MBA. Um, 
And so that gave me a good sort of two and a half months of, of being a consultant uh, for real and just seeing if it was the right fit for me. Um, and so I, that's if it's something that you're able to do, I definitely will encourage it as well, right? Um, you know, there's nothing as, as there's nothing better than actually getting a, a real taste for it. Or maybe uh, if I can add on that, apply for one of our wonderful career events uh, that are happening globally. Yes. Um, okay, so um, thank you, Ricky. Mm -hmm. Now we come uh, to our Ask Me Anything section. This is my favorite part of the show. I know you already know it. Um, and we went on the virtual streets with our podcast and asked people what they want to know from mm -hmm. McKinsey. Yes. I would love to introduce, to introduce you to today's special guests. Are you ready for your free Ask Me Anything questions? Sure, hit me. <laughs> okay, so uh, question one comes from Matthew. He, um, he's from England. Hi, Mackenzie. This is Matthew from England. I'm currently studying public relations and I would like to know which skill makes young professionals most employable and more likely to succeed in the consultancy industry? Great question, Matthew. Ricky, what skills do you need to be a success to be successful as a consultant? Absolutely. So at McKinsey, there are a couple of very important skills we look for. Um, of course, there are different ways to acquire these skills, but I would say things like, you know, your leadership skills um, and, and to be even more specific, your inclusive leadership skills, because you'd be working with a diverse set of people. Um, Does that mean I have to be a CEO before, or how do you define that? <laughs> no, so you can you can demonstrate and 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 sort of acquire leadership skills by just getting involved with various activities that are also non business related, right? So, like I talked about sports, um, there's definitely leadership even in in baking, if you like, right? In, yes. in while you're I've at school, that. absolutely. While you're at school in your study groups, you know there are different definitely different ways that you can. Um, demonstrate um, leadership skills. Um, I would also say that we look for, you know, problem solving skills. Again, just a, a, a thirst to get problem solved, like a desire and a, and a hunger to, 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 you know, work on problems and get them solved is also a skill that we look for. Um, and personal impact. Uh, that's definitely one of the other things that we, that we talk about um, and we look for at McKinsey. Okay, uh, I hope that answers your question, Matthew. And the second question comes from Alina. She studies business administration in Germany. Okay. Hi, I'm Alina from Germany. I study business administration and just got my bachelor degree. Um, do I need my master degree to start working for McKinsey? Yeah, so, so people with bachelor's or undergraduate degrees definitely join us as well at the firm. You definitely don't need only just the masters. Um, what we, what we are looking for are, you know, the, the qualities that I talked about, the skills I talked about. So, um, the leadership abilities, you know, the experience, um, that you're able to demonstrate from, you know, on problem solving, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Of course, we look for academic excellence. Um, and so again, that's, that's, you know, a, a real skill. Um, and you can get all of those with a bachelor's degree. Um, you can join us as a business analyst. Uh, or fellows uh, in, in other parts of, of, of our client services team. Um, so you sort of work, you know, two or so years, two, three years, and then you go to graduate school um, or you go and, you know, get further work experience um, or move into a different role. So whether it's a bachelor's degree, an undergraduate degree or a master's degree, there's definitely uh, room for you to join the firm. 
Okay, and uh, the third question comes from Alisa. Uh, she studies genetics and lives in South Africa. Hello, I'm Alisa Mabue from South Africa. I'm currently pursuing my master's in genetics. And as much as the multidimensional approach of the firm has aroused my interest, I'm not quite sure where I would fit in. And yeah, I wanted to get more clarity on what the firm is actually about and where my place would be. So, um, thank you, Alitza. Uh, Ricky, what opportunities do we have for students in study fields such as genetics or other natural sciences? And Alisa probably meant uh, by multidimensional approach that we serve a big number of various clients and industries. Does the study field already imply which clients I'll serve as a consultant? Yeah, no, it's a great question. Um, so remember I talked about the diverse set of backgrounds that, you know, that we, we, we love to surround ourselves with at the firm. Um, it, it really almost doesn't matter, um, what your, you know, your core skill or your, sorry, your core area of, um, or field of study is. Um, because it, it just means that you have a different way of thinking, um, and you bring something different to the problem solving table. Um, and so what happens at the firm in terms of, you know, your background is you're assigned a professional development manager. Uh, we call them a PD manager. Um, and, and basically they're responsible for your development. And so you can work on a diverse, you know, range of client work depending on, you know, what you, interests you. Um, so if, if you've come from, gen, you know, a genetics, you know, science background, but actually you want to try out banking. You absolutely can, right? Um, this is, this is a great place where you can apply different parts of what you've learned at school to, you know, a completely different, you know, sector. And, and, and your PD manager is normally with you along the way, um, to make sure that you are able to get all of the tools that you need. You know, you get the trainings that you need. Your engagement manager on the team, you know, is there to support you as well. So regardless, I, I would say of your field of study, um, you absolutely will find a place at the firm. Um, that's it for our Ask Me Anything section. Um, but I'd like to ask one final roundup question of our podcast. We at McKinsey know the classic McKinsey technique of top-down communication, uh, where you sum up the key message of what you want to say, preferably at the beginning of your presentation. So <laughs> this is my final question for you. What is it that you would like our listeners to get out of our podcast episode today? I would say that the one thing that you should get out of this today is that McKinsey is a place of very different and diverse backgrounds and sets of people. And so regardless of your field of study, regardless of, you know, your previous professional background, um, there is a place for you here. Um, you'll be surrounded by multi-talented individuals and lots of opportunities to learn and to grow. Um, And be like those people that I went to school with, you know, dipped in great, you know, fountains of knowledge. Um, so if it's definitely something that you're interested in, I would say that McKinsey can be a place for you. Thank you, Ricky. So uh, that's it for our podcast, the end of today's recruiting podcast episode. Super interesting uh, to learn more about you and your role. Thanks for being a guest on our show, Ricky. Thank you very much, Philip. Thanks for listening. If you have more questions or ideas for our show, drop us a line on our podcast page, mckinsey.com slash recruiting podcast. To learn more about our diversity recruiting efforts, how to apply and tons of other information, check out mckinsey.com slash careers.